Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by Royal Holloway's Shakespeare Society. You join me, Cassie Dixon. And me, Jack Hardman, as we bear some bardy truths. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bard Times. Uh, this is Jack Hardman and today I have with me the wonderful Lolly. Say hi Lolly. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no worries. No worries. So obviously today you are, I say obviously, the <laughs> the uh, the viewers don't know. You are here to talk about the fact that you have just started a new society. Yes, I am. Uh, so that is obviously a massive uh, commitment. And mm. I just wanted to ask you, so how's it going so far for you? Um, how's it like, going? How are you enjoying it? It's a big question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dissect it, go through it. Well, you know what? It's actually going pretty well considering we're in a pandemic. Um, I'm really humbled by all of the outreach and support that we've gotten for MPA, and I feel like we've created a really amazing community as well. Like in the group chat, we all just have a little chat with each other and people send like their makeup looks or their art into the chat, and everyone's like, wow, this is so great. Um I think it's going really well. I have an, um, an amazing team. I could not do it without them. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for the people at home who don't necessarily know what MPA is or stands for, um, mm. would you give them like a quick rundown of what your society is? Of course. Um, I know it can be a little bit confusing as well, how we are performing our society, but I'm going to run it down for you. So don't worry. Um, so we're MPA. That stands for Makeup Performance and Artistry. Now, obviously, makeup is a big part of our society, but we're not limited to just a makeup box. Um, under the artistry umbrella, I really wanted to have the artistry like kind of word there. It can kind of, you know, facilitate any type of art that our members want to do. Yeah. If you want to do action painting, like, please do it. If you want to do henna, one of our members is going to run a henna workshop, actually, um, in the future, which I'm really excited about. That's amazing. Um, you know, if you want to do physical theatre, if you want to do nail art, we can facilitate it and help you. As long as you come on with an idea, we can help you create that to be a reality. And um I'm going to go through the three main facets of MPA. That all good? Yeah, sounds great. Go for it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So obviously, you know about socials, if you've been to socials in Shakespeare. Like, they're a lot like Please that. Please come just to really socials chill. in Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> I'll be there. I'm, I'm, very, I'm a very avid goer of Shakespeare stuff. They're really fun. You're doing an amazing job, by the way. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Of course. So the three main pillars. Okay, so we've so we've got um, performing, um, which is like exhibitions, and I'll explain more about that later because that's a bit more like, well, how does that work, Lolly? But first of all, we're going to go over the most obvious ones. Yeah. Okay. So tutorials. Obviously, that's going to come with the makeup society. So tutorials we do from beginner all the way up to advanced. It's literally there's something for everybody. Um. So, for example, one of the first tutorials I did was finding your skin undertones and your skin texture and figuring out what makeup to use to make sure that your base is all good and everything. So if you don't know what like a base is, it's kind of like, you know, putting on a blank sheet like on your face. So your makeup yeah. can kind of go on top and you know how you have like 
discoloration under your skin and everything like redness and stuff like that you're just cancelling that out so you have a blank mm-hmm. canvas to work on baby it's great <laughs> and, by the way um, you are gonna have to explain everything to me because i am very much not uh equipped with any knowledge <laughs> of how makeup works at all no problem and you know what if you don't have any knowledge too viewers that's okay too doesn't yeah, that's great yeah that's great. Like, come on, along honestly, yeah Learn please something. Like, on, period like honestly there's um i really want more people to kind of come who don't know what's going on because it doesn't bloody matter if you if you think hey that's pretty cool come on and if you're scared you can always talk to me or our social secretary Aurelia gross honestly we we will welcome you with open arms but yeah. sorry anyway <laughs> i that's that is my plan for next term is I, I say next term the current term um to to come to more kind of mpa things oh please so that i can so those so i can learn a little bit about yeah makeup. yeah totally and just but also we do so all? when my girlfriend talks to me about it i'm not completely just like a blank <laughs> slate um for myself and for her yeah and you know that's that's a lovely thing to do for your girlfriend like what a (laughs) what a wonderful thing um shout out to miss eve we love you and um um, but yeah so you can come and learn a lot more things as well but i'll talk about that later i have so much to talk about so yeah so we go from all the way from beginner to like more advanced stuff for example i'm doing a tutorial on surrealism makeup which is more artistic and it's almost like you're a painting kind of thing and I, I also tell you about if you if you're like well I don't have the resources to use that I also teach you how to make DIY face paint and everything like that so anybody can do it it's accessible to anybody and by the way if you have an idea for a tutorial come to me we'll figure it out and we, you can put something on you don't have to be the best at something to do it if you've got something to say say it you know like it could be anything. Okay, so that's tutorials, the most obvious one. The next one is lectures. Hey Lolly, why the hell is a makeup society doing lectures? And to that I say, nay, we are not just makeup, we are more than that. We are. I love this because this is like having a, I don't need to be here. You could just <laughs> interview yourself. Um, this is this is making my job very easy. Sorry, oh, go on. No. I don't, <laughs> don't want to like. <laughs> no, no, no! I'm loving it. Go, continue. Cool. It's just I'm very passionate, as you can probably tell. I'm like very, very passionate. <laughs> All right, lectures. <laughs> when the lectures hit, okay. So, right, I I think lectures are really important in the idea of knowing because the thing is right. How can we correct behaviour from the past if we don't have the knowledge equipped? to kind of go forward and to combat these issues, even with just knowing history of makeup and knowing history of kind of fashion and why things happened the way they did. It's really interesting. For example, um, the first lecture I ran was um, masculinity and makeup and I dissected why makeup became an inherently feminine thing and why men decided that it was bad for them to use makeup. I, I dissected that in detail and it's actually, like the root of like patriarchal kind of you know things and men used to wear like war paint and stuff like that and basically it became quote-unquote effeminate because women started to use it also to kind of you know cover up their blemishes as societal kind of pressure was piled upon them it 
it kind of went through time and became something more feminine and the patriarchy deems anything as feminine as rather weak so um yeah that that men just stopped using it and it also became kind of like a queer thing as well and if you if you're a guy who wears makeup then you're queer when in reality it's just it's just not bloody true is it it's not bloody true <sighs> and i would i would honestly love to see more like men within my society who just want to you know like heck around and have fun you know <laughs> nice yeah, yeah. But... fair play lectures and no, that sounds really you know, interesting um in the future hopefully i want to do the importance of shade rage in foundation i just think we are baddies with brains we're not just you know some you know people who are just going to sit around and just be like okay this is all right we are intelligent we are university <laughs> students we're going to bring in our critical thinking um the most the an upcoming lecture includes um a woman who used makeup to kill abusive husbands so they could like Great. you know <laughs> it was it's so amazing that does actually um, sound fascinating it's really fascinating it's going to be run by karen who's so amazing and so intelligent um, and has also killed multiple people with makeup yeah of course she True. has it's not her fault she, she just... allegedly 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 we don't want to be sued all right wink wink um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so come along to that because, again, it's not just all about, okay, you put the makeup on your face or the lecture is about makeup. It's about it's about so many things. Yeah, so so that's lectures, just wrapped up neatly in a bow and, you know, what's going on with that. And we've also got exhibitions. Now, this is the more performative part of the society because when we first kind of, you know, presented ourselves as a society, a lot of people um, questioned how we were a performing arts society. And listen, there's nothing against that. I completely understand how is a makeup society like a performing society. Well, to that I say, makeup itself is inherently performative. I mean, think about like a special effects wound. Think of the dramatics of that. How did that person get it? How did he graze his knee? Did he chop himself in the leg by accident with a knife? Did he run into a knife? You know, it, <laughs> did he you run get into I mean. a knife? Yeah. But yeah, like um there is a certain dramatic element of all types of makeup. Um even the dramatics of in in my opinion of putting on everyday makeup, it's a routine that you do. It's almost ritual. Every single day you're putting it on and you're doing the same thing, the same swoops. I don't I don't know, I just especially with doing some of my modules on um, theatricality and the spectrum of theatricality. It's really kind of open my perception of what can be deemed as theatrical and what cannot. Not everything is a performance, but there are performative elements to almost everything we do. I mean, I would also argue that performing arts isn't necessarily... It's about performing, not about performance. Mm. Like, there's... Yes there are more aspects to performing arts than just acting or directing. There's also yeah. lighting, as any DSM would tell you. There's audio, there's makeup, there's costume, mm. there's, yeah. like, it's, it's, there's all, there's so many facets to performing. And to say exactly. that makeup, which is such a core tenant of any form of performance, uh, mm. is not that then that is it's lies it's complete lies it's yeah I can I completely agree with you and whilst it might not be seen as inherently a performance it is 
performative it holds those qualities so there's yeah. a clear difference between that but um I would also argue it can be our performance because that's what I, I'm a pra- I am um I like I'm a practitioner like don't worry about but like <laughs> I don't want to sound like pretentious but um sure. I, I consider myself <laughs> <laughs> finish what you're saying <laughs> no I'm sorry um um I don't want to consider you know be pretentious but basically um I like to merge this is where the idea of MPI actually came from and we can talk about it more later yeah. but basically I was I work primarily with movement and uh, like a um a merge of physical theatre and dance because I come from like mm. a dance background and I've been trained and stuff in that and I really like the freeness of like physical theatre like um you know frantic, assemb- frantic assembly like Burkhoff you know yeah. all the kind of you know embodiments of physicality and Rudolf Laban as well um yes yeah. And I kind of like wanted to merge that with what I could do. I'm just kind of basically, it's a conglomerate of bringing everything I can to the table and just mashing it together. Yeah. So makeup becomes a key part of my performance. Um, I mean, looking at something like, uh, and I don't pretend to be any kind of a, uh, no, you're fine. A, any kind of, um, what's the word, expert on on this subject at all i'm really very much not but like look at um like drag which is a big thing yes. like, uh, has become i mean it has always has always been a thing but has become mm. especially big uh, recently yeah that is literally a combination of i mean many other things but or like Make dance and makeup like that exactly. is that's so those two things, and obviously there are many other instances, but that's just one that came to my head. Um, I'm trying to be very careful here because I do not know what I'm talking about. No, it's, um, it's okay. So this is like, uh, basically, like to say those two things aren't linked is wrong, is what I'm saying, essentially. Yeah, no, I get it, not I the, get it. Not that we need to justify the existence of MPA, because no, of I think- No, not, but- but yeah, I, I completely agree. It is from the way you've described it, it sounds like you have justified very well why it is a performing art society, I think. Yeah. Um, but um it's not like I have to justify it, but I understand that people can be a bit confused because it can yeah. be a bit weird, which is why on our on our like um if you want to read more about it, on our SU page, we have a whole page of what we do and um I'll just kind of, you know, go through this very, very quickly as well. So with that knowledge, I think that makeup is art. So we should have two types of exhibition, performative exhibitions, which is what like the kind of things that I've just said, you know, using makeup as kind of an extension of the art that you're doing or just anything you can think of, or, you know, even if you're doing like henna or, you know, it can, again, it falls under the artistry umbrella, but it's on a spectrum. And then there's stationary exhibitions. So this is like, basically taking pictures of the makeup that you've done handing it up having a description of why you made the choices that you did maybe having a live modeling so it's basically almost like an art gallery experience with makeup so that's kind of exhibitions Mm. fair yeah that sounds that sounds makes sense sounds good (laughs) okay so this obviously we spoke about it a little bit already but what exactly made you like decide to create this society because obviously you said it's like a fusion of your passions and and the things that yeah. you um uh, you enjoy and you've been trained in but was mm-hmm. there something specifically that made you want to create this society yeah there was actually um 
I felt very, very lost. It was a feeling of, of loss. And I kind of, I've always been someone who has felt very adrift and like I never had a place. Like always quite lonely. And this is quite sad, but like, um, you know, quite lonely and adrift. Sure. And I was like, oh, like, and I had like, um, I went to a society and it kind of wasn't for me as well in my mm. first year. And then my second year, like I just, this was in the middle of my second year before I kind of, you know, did a show. But I was kind yeah. of like, right, well, I feel terrible and, you know, suffering with my mental health. And I was like, well, why don't I just make a place for myself then? And it kind of clicked yeah. in my head. And I started to, I started to form a team. I started to write up a constitution. I started to write up, you know, um, everything. And sadly, because I was struggling with my mental health, um, it kind of fell through. But then I joined Shakespeare Committee. I saw how everything worked and how everything was going down. I did leave because of um, other issues, but I, I love Shakespeare, as you can tell. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, for those of you that don't know, obviously, uh, Lolly was my predecessor as, as social I was, yes. And oh my God, Jack is doing an amazing job. Oh, stop Bloody that, hell. Stop. No, stop no. That. Um, um, but yeah. But, yeah apologies um no so basically um in lockdown I used the knowledge that I had looking at meetings and everything and how things have run and I got my president hat on and I rolled with it and it's just it's just been amazing I wanted to create a place I know this sounds really cliche but I wanted to create a place where people could express themselves without elitism in the performing arts because I think that's a big issue. Yeah. There's a lot of elitism and, oh, we can only have the cream of the crop, the best of the best or this and that. It's like, well, how can people get to that level if you don't help them and guide them? Yeah, it is, so, it is, it is one of the uh, difficult kind of dichotomies that any performance-based mm. anything faces, which is you yeah. want the best people for the performance, but if you only choose the best people, then how do people learn? Um, exactly. It's something that all... Uh, like schools have the same thing. Like if you choose the <laughs> best people for a school play, then you're not necessarily going to be doing the thing that you're institution is literally designed to do which is teach the people exactly. who don't know so much about that subject yet um and it's what i think uh speaking for shakespeare and mm -hmm. i'm sure uh, a lot of other societies on campus yeah. are trying to do is try and Definitely. broaden out that uh the education side of our our, our societies and opening up more opportunities yeah. for people but that being said uh, it's amazing that that is something that MPA also wants to do. Thank you. We, um, I think as well with like the shadow programs and everything that a lot of mm. performing arts societies are offering, that's just, it goes a long way and it can teach people. And also they don't have the full responsibility of that role on their shoulders. They're, you know, they can learn how to do it. I think that's yeah. a really great way to approach it. But with like, um, not that ours is like our way is better or anything like that. I never would want to say that, but it's just a different way because we have commissions of people's pieces and they commission what they want to do. They tell us and then we'll help them. That's why I have the role of exhibition director. We're there, there to help you and right. to further your ideas and, you know, to take them to an, like a better level or the next level, you know? Yeah. This actually, this this does sound really interesting. Actually, I, I'm already thinking of things uh, that I would want to do with with your society. Oh my god! 
God, yes. Um, that being said, so obviously you have, uh, there are a lot of challenges involved in, in getting to where you guys currently are, which oh, is totally. a full society with a full committee and events lined up and stuff that is structured. And uh, I wanted to ask you, firstly, if there are any kind of, un- what kind of unseen challenges there are in doing that, but also... Are there any, is there any advice that you would give to someone who is currently also trying to to do that same thing that you've done and craft a yeah. place for themselves or, or create something? I will say this, you can do it. Like it, I, I didn't think I could do it because of my, I have, um, I suffer with quite a few mental illnesses and health conditions and I really thought I couldn't do it. But the thing is, like I will give this piece of advice, you can do it if you have a good team behind you, if you have people who will believe you, if you are honest and if you are hardworking and just keep at it and you are determined, yes, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. And if anybody does ever want to like talk to me about how I did it and wants more information, I'm Lolly Hayes on Facebook or you can talk to the MPA page, please. I'm always happy to help. But saying that, um, yes, there are several challenges in creating a society. Um, writing up a constitution takes a longer, long yes, time. I you know, imagine. takes a long. Like I wrote that by myself with you know the SU template. Um, for for and, people at home who don't know what a constitution does, it kind of well, I'll I'll, I'll let the, the president uh, talk about this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so basically, a constitution outlines the every role in detail and what you are kind of signing up to do. For example, the president, it kind of tells me all the areas of my role, which I need to be on on it with. And there's a lot because I'm the president, I'm basically, you know, in everybody's jobs and helping Mm. everybody, but it kind of outlines what you've got to do. And basically it's just a guideline to help to keep the society running. And so people know what they're getting into. as well as that, the constitution also outlines um, fairness in audition processes, um, if what happens if bullying happens or any situation. And I added something specifically to the constitution because I'm very passionate about it. Um, any instance of homophobia, um, racism, even regardless of how small or you know transphobia, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, regardless mm-hmm. of how small, like we have a zero tolerance policy, you will get kicked out because yeah. that's that I think that's a good step forward into starting to combat it and I would agree. we can't we can't do a lot but um it just won't happen within our society and it's on our page as well it's a zero tolerance <laughs> policy you know yeah. so the constitution basically outlines everything and it's it's there to keep the members safe and make sure the committee isn't doing anything shady basically yeah that amazing um thank you thank you thank you for outlining that because honestly before coming to the role that i i currently have i had mm-hmm. no idea um i think there isn't there isn't actually a lot of and i think this is something that i mean the su almost certainly won't be listening to this but if by some miracle they are um i think something that could be really really amazing that would be something that teaches uh, specifically freshers, but also if like available to anyone, but specifically for freshers to understand mm. how a society works and yes. how, how to make one, how to run one, um, 
just because I, I think having the, I am very lucky to have had obviously you as a predecessor who was willing to help me to understand my role having uh the last year social sex sophie barton who was also really helpful in helping me understand my role and Mm -hmm. the current committee who uh helped me out when i i took over um but especially for a role like president there isn't a lot of I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of kind of help out there for that, especially if it's (laughs) for a new society. Yeah, Um, it was pretty hard to set up MPI. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. When I, um, and when I present and, you know, I had to collect a lot and I didn't realise how much I'd have to collect. I kind of went into it thinking, right, I'm going to do this. And I ended up doing this. I'm kind of glad that I didn't know everything I had to do or else it (laughs) might have dissuaded me. Yeah. But I'm so glad that I, I did it still. But yeah, the support for the presidents, if I kind of didn't come in as a central secretary, I would find it very hard to jump into it and know what was going on because I didn't know the protocols. I didn't know how to chair meetings at the time. I didn't know how to make an agenda. I didn't know about minuting. Sorry, Mr. Theo. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I knew about nothing. Um, yeah, I guess if you're going to start a society, um, ask someone the proceedings of a society, how a meeting is going. Again, I'm more than happy. Like, please ask me, I will <laughs> help you. Um, Ask and read yeah. seems to be the the kind of the big things that you have to do before starting <laughs> starting a society. But yeah. also, you have to, I think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I am speaking from a place of absolute. No, of course. Um, uh, a thing you need when creating a society is very much an idea of the responsibility you're taking on. Like you can't just mm-hmm. create a society, then not be willing to like president. Yes. It, uh, oh my god. Like run yes. away from it. No, you um, can't. So if you're um, going to create something, you need to have the kind of willpower to be able to or the support network to be able to hold you up yes. to continue to do that which is um, obviously what a committee is for essentially obviously i will say this though right do not rely on a committee to do your jobs for you you mm. have to be their leader and the best leader is someone who is helping their members rather than just telling them what to do and barking orders at them you have to be willing to help your committee rather than just giving them orders and putting all the weight onto them. Because if I did that to the committee, it would just be unfair on them. It's not their job. If they do want to help me with some extra things, I'm so grateful and they usually do because they're they're wonderful. But I would never expect them to do that. And if I am having kind of a bad time, I will communicate that with them and then they will help me. But you have to be willing to take on that responsibility. You can do it. You just have to be aware that it is a big responsibility and also with like being president, you um, kind of, this might sound a bit, um, you know, I, I don't mean to be full of myself at all whatsoever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically a power president like acts and holds himself is reflected within the members of a society. Mm. And, you know, same with the social sec as well. That's, I say a social sec is like, kind of like the heart of a society and how it will act and how it will interact with each other like we help foster a community so you have to have you if you're not positive if you're not present if you're you know cold informal 
your your society's community is going to be very scattered yeah and um don't mean i'm patting myself on the back here let's be real um i think i've created a pretty good community hopefully i mean i i think that's a fair comment to make i don't think that's being overly uh being proud of something that you've created is i would argue that's not necessarily narcissistic in any sense i think that's absolutely fair enough um you mentioned about the society and the and the plans you have for it but is there anything specifically in the future that we should be looking forward to in terms of uh, your society and what you're planning to do with it oh totally so coming up we may or may not be planning a few collaborations so keep an eye out for that um so and there's, there's obviously a big hint to who it is. <laughs> <laughs> a big no, hint. don't know what you're on about. Huh? I don't know. Um, we are going to conduct um, an MPA Snatch game. So if you've not heard of Snatch Game, basically, have you ever heard the game of fill in the blank where the celebrities kind of have a card, there's a sentence and it goes like, um, for example, Kanye West is so narcissistic that his blank blew up. And then you have to oh, put sure. the, the funniest okay. answer in. And basically Snatch Game is where people like impersonate celebrities and it's just really funny. It's right. like caricatures of celebrities and it's just, it's so funny. We're also doing a murder mystery in the future. Um, we're doing so many fun things. Um, what was I going to say? But with, and also I'm when I was talking about our surrealism kind of tutorial, I'm doing one, I think, next week as well. Oh, so, that's exciting. Yeah, please look out for that. So there's a lot of fun, exciting things going on with MPA. And also, can I just say as well, we, with, we're we a community-based society. Obviously, I keep saying it, but our members are really important to us and their feedback matters. So um, our well-being and also, you know, how the, they think the society is going will be coming out. So please look out for the well-being form and the feedback form because... We want to continuously do better. And how can we do better yeah. if we don't get feedback from our community? Yeah, that, um, that makes perfect sense. We, I, I think Shakespeare have uh, very recently done the exact same, yeah. um, mm-hmm. the exact same thing. And it is important to hear from your, um, I was going to say constituents. That's not the word. Members. <laughs> we are not a political party. So I, we have a recurring, a recurring segment on the, on the podcast where I ask you, You've been in things. You've been in plays. Yeah. 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 You've been in plays. Yeah. Which one has been your favourite? Okay. Out oh of like God, this, a... this is in university and out of university together. Out so. of university. Well, to drama school, and I studied musical theatre for two years um, in kind of an audition-based drama school. And I was a principal dancer in Jesus Christ Superstar. And listen, the, shape, the stage was shaped like a cross. Right. And there was TVs in the back. There was projections over the top. It was amazing. That sounds like the incredible. Stage, it was absolutely amazing. I had so much fun. And it really kind of um, upped my confidence as, you know, a dancer and stuff like that. It really, mm-hmm. you know, made me feel alive. I've absolutely loved Ephigenia because my, my main disciplines are singing, acting and dancing. But I also write poetry and I also like do other things. But mm. it was so good to get back to like you know acting in a sense when I hadn't done it in quite a while in a performance yeah I mean I did super cart but that was more slapstick and it was really fun to do don't get me wrong but um Ephigenia was a bit more serious so 
it was really really enjoyable but I loved Supercar it was fantastic it was great um but my one of my favorites as well was five women wearing the same dress I was costume yeah. designer and oh my god like me and Karen and genuinely a lot of, like, I think my favorite thing that I've seen on campus all like and that including the including my own show I I I couldn't agree more that was one hell of a That's, show um on campus like even though I wasn't even in it that it was just such an enjoyable performance and it was just a dichotomy of these women and, and like almost like a, a microcosm of the ideals at the time and it was just mm. fantastic and I think it's like a lot of people did argue that it shouldn't have been on at times and they were like oh because it's um it's sexist but here's the thing it's we it's not like we were praising that behavior within the performance there was trigger warnings for all of what was going on and as well as that if we don't perform theater that kind of looks at these issues how can we do better and you know with a modern lens as well when you're looking at it the fact that it's so horrific just makes it clearer that it's behavior that we shouldn't be yeah, now reproducing. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think if you're obviously art doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, <laughs> no. And if you're going to make something that has a commentary like five women wearing the same dress, where yeah. there is, um, whether there are themes that are uh, problematic, it's not <laughs> about not putting on plays like that. It's about looking at plays like that and going, um, okay, this is wrong. Because if yes. you don't address that behavior at all, um, then that's, isn't that allowing it to almost grow? Yeah. Um, it's, it's allowing it's it to grow in silence rather than looking at it and going, okay, this is wrong. Exactly. Which is what I think five women wearing the same, uh, wearing the same dress did really, that's, really well, is it looked at this behavior do. and it just went, yeah maybe this isn't okay yeah Um, because at the end of the day this stuff happened yeah and you see a lot of people um I see a lot of misogynists like on the internet telling me that nothing has happened to women that I have equal rights in fact I have more rights than a man I'm told and you know as well being a queer woman people tell me that as well but the thing is plays like this are so important because it helps us reflect and remember how it was and how it still yeah. is at times. And it, and I hope it makes people reflect upon their own actions and maybe their own microaggressions or what they've said and do better because I think theatre itself is inherently didactic. So it's it's a tool for learning. I mean, bringing it back to MPA as well, that's why I have lectures. I just, yeah. I think it's, it's so important to continue to teach and to learn through the arts. I think it's the, one of the most powerful tools. I, I, and, I completely agree. I yeah. think it's it's um, it's very interesting thinking about, like uh, looking at the arts and going like, if I think the people who, some of, some of the worst actresses and directors that I've, mm. not actresses specifically, actors, actresses or directors. Yeah, of course. Uh, who I've worked with are the people that go, okay, I know everything about yes. this topic. Yes. The people who accept that they still need to grow more. I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I am not a drama student. I've mentioned this before. 
Um, I still can't believe that. Mate. That I have. Well, I appreciate that. I think. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, and, it's, it is. And, um, I I appreciate that, especially during uh, the show I directed last year, Love Labors. I was teaching like actioning and love yeah. and efforts and uh, yeah and Chekhov's quality of movement and stuff like that two third year drama students who were like we know this better than you do but we're still going to yeah. go through the motions here because some people in the room don't and because um, also yeah. like learning relearning something that you already know who knows you might find out something that you didn't know about totally it. And it's some 1, of the best creatives that I that that I've ever worked with, um, who who have done those things and just kind of got. Uh, Eleanor Rutter is one who I, mm. I will specifically shout out from Love Labors, who literally yeah. came up to me afterwards and went, "I never thought about this this way," and I realized oh. how 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 little I enjoy this form of theatre, but also how how I didn't know that before, and I was it's, like, "It's okay, interesting. Well, that's good. That is growth." Even if even if it isn't totally. the, the preferred way of approaching something, but that is yeah. growth, um, and it's that attitude of like, I'm just gonna do it. Exactly. I might learn like, yes, I would say this to anybody as well. Like, kind of coming into a president role or a position of power, ne- you never stop learning, and ple- and never get into the position that you are better than the people you are directing or the people you are leading, because that's basically gonna be a slippery slope. um you know you are constantly learning there's always something you can learn and if you've already learned said thing go over it again you'll know it better by the time you've done it again you know if you were you know I'm I'm a movement director but I would love to see how you teach Laban's efforts and stuff like that it's probably a vastly different way to how I view Laban's efforts because I did it in the context of like dance and in my in my training and stuff like that yeah, because I, I, um, yeah. I am very much not a dance person. Uh, <laughs> I have. It's like watching a hippo on acid. Um, <laughs> the, and I can say that because I'm a zoology student. Um, a zoologist. So there's no, but it is, it is like dance, for instance, is one of the things that I am aware I need to learn a lot about. And even mm-hmm. something, um, in your dreams which is a show that I was a part of recently yeah. I think I was aware of how much there is to learn about that uh working yes. with working with some of the uh creatives on that and how how they were approaching yeah. the kind of movement and dance side of things anyway yeah. the next the yeah. next section so the news section yeah. of the podcast um mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about the for normally we do news in kind of the general wor- world of theatre, but because there isn't a ton of that at the moment with the whole lockdown that's going on, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk to you about some of the very exciting plays that we have going on on campus this this Ooh. term. And I want to do, so obviously quick uh, kind of round off of everything that's going on as far as, far as my knowledge uh, reaches. I apologize if I miss anything, but this is what has been announced as of uh, the recording of this this uh, episode. So we have Hamlet from Shakespeare Society. We have MTS uh, doing Fame. We have Savoy doing Iolanthe, and uh, <laughs> Drama Sock are doing. I think it's the Little Prince. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Um, so are there are there any uh, of those that particularly have spoken to you or not as in the creatives have spoken to you? I mean, are there any of those that particularly speak to you on a spiritual level um, and have attracted you to, to doing them? Hamlet is my favourite Shakespeare play. So I'm definitely going to be auditioning for that 1,000%. I, I love Hamlet. And I know it's a basic pick. But listen, I'm an English student and I'm allowed <laughs> to have a basic pick. I know the Shakespeare plays. I've studied them for literally up until last year, since year nine. I'm a, I'm a third year, by the way. So please, let me have that. I think I think just because of the, the vast different amount of interpretations, I kind of, you know, anyway... I'm Very good. really also interested. I'm also interested in the Little Prince. I'm really excited about that. And you know, um, I don't, I don't know too much about Savoy's one, but it seems super interesting. Mm. And I'm also interested in Fame. They all seem great. And one thing I will add as well, um, we are coming out with how to submit things for a digital exhibition mm. soon, which will be premiering at the end of the spring term. So please keep an eye out for that. You'll have a week to kind of give in what you have to say in a proposal and then we'll help you work on it. So please be excited about that as well. That's amazing. Yeah. So please, please submit things that in fact, by the time that this episode comes out, that will probably already be out. So yeah, please, yeah. please look that Do up it. and submit things to MPA. Um, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned Hamlet, obviously being your favourite play. Yeah. Out of out of uh, morbid curiosity, who's your favourite character in it? Because obviously you did play in the D and D event that we ran last uh, last term. You did play. Oh Hamlet. my god! Uh, I love in that. I loved it. Like I don't know when the D and D episodes will be up because there are a lot to edit. But Hopefully, oh my god! Relatively soon, but fingers crossed. But oh my god! I, first of all, I just want to say. That is probably one of the most, that's like the most fun I've had in ages. If Shakespeare do another D&D event, I highly recommend signing up. I've never played D&D before and oh my God, I had a blast. In fact, you're like, really that, kind of, that kind of event is like a real inspiration to us at NPA because it like, nobody's ever done that before. And it was just in terms of like, just as a society, not outside of a D&D society. Yeah. But I just, I just kind of saw that and I was like, heck like this is so different this is so fun mm. and we really want to put on events like that you I'm know really, I, so. i'm really glad that that it had that impact on you to be honest with you because that was a bit of a a um what would you call it a curveball uh in terms of yeah. of the of the events that we were coming up with but i think it was just such it was a beautiful curveball it was breaking the mold and i think <laughs> you know <Good. laughs> us us as kind of, you know, people who are on the committee and on societies, if we don't want to continue reshaping what our societies are about, then why are we on committee? If yeah. we want to play it safe, why are you on committee? I is it for the agree. role? Just I completely keep agree. Reshape the society into something new, into something fresh, into something enjoyable. Now, my favourite character from Hamlet, <laughs> my favourite character from Hamlet, um, I, I love Hamlet, but I also really love Ophelia. Mm. Ophelia is most certainly my favourite character and it's not because of like oh she has agency because no she doesn't she doesn't have yeah. any agency bless her sweetheart but I just think she's a really really interesting character study in, especially within her madness and I also think it's really it's a really interesting commentary on um, 
you know, the kind of commodification and objectification of women, because mm. especially within Gertrude's speech, when she's kind of making out this beautiful image of her drowning peacefully and gorgeously, so then even in her death, she had to appear aesthetically pleasing yeah. for the eyes of men, really. I think and this the eyes is. Of others. I, I actually think this links perfectly into what we were discussing about um five women wearing the same dress yeah in that it's like this obviously is a extremely problematic way of depicting women yeah um specifically and by the way i say i said this in my episode with uh james i am fully aware i am a cisgendered white straight guy uh yeah. probably don't have the most amount of uh authority speaking on on anything about this but this is the um yeah so do correct me if i'm wrong at all no, here. Of course. um but the but yeah the, like it is important to i think to approach things like this and go like you see how this person was treated mm-hmm. this is wrong this yes. is wrong by the way it should be a tragic aspect rather than something that's celebrated it should be like it can not you know the script is there and it's it's there but the different ways you can portray things and make it seem, you know, um, as we're talking about performativity, performance is on a spectrum and you can create elements that are to show that that's mm. bad. You, it doesn't have to just be through the script. There's literally so much you can do. And yeah. um, Interpretation think- is, is so much a part of directing. Yeah, definitely. If you don't approach a play with any kind of interpretation, that's kind of like trying to run a race without shoes on. Like there's, yes, you're not going to have a lot of that support and and spring to create something that's actually kind of potent. Yeah, I would say like um, with directing, um, you shouldn't go in. Don't like go into your directing thing without an idea. Just oh, I just want to put it on just because you know come on then I'll put it on have a vision you know like your actors are going to come in with visions for their characters and stuff like that so you know that's my kind of little tip for a director I know a little bit less about directing please correct me if I'm wrong you know more about this than me Mr Jack Hartman thank you but of of course incredibly wrong um, I know almost nothing but thank you (laughs) um but but that's the point you know you can Everybody, I think, has a different thing they can bring to the table in terms of directing. And as long as you are willing to listen, as long as you are willing to learn, you'll be a good director, you know? I I agree. I think that goes with any kind of creative role, though. I think the ability ability to, uh, as we were talking about earlier, learn and roll with it and kind of take in information. Because I think I have learned... I learned quite a lot in a play I directed, a, a, a Shakespeare play actually, um, a version Yay. of The Merchant of Venice when I was 18. I directed a version Yay. of The Merchant of Venice and it was, I learned so much from the actress playing Portia. Um, mm. Portia? Portia, right? Not Portia. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I learned so much from her because she was an incredibly seasoned um, actor and yeah. it was I I wouldn't have learned any like I wouldn't have been as anywhere near as good a director if I wasn't kind of kind of checking in on her and what what she was thinking about exactly. things 
And it's really important. Artists, art is a continuous learning process. Everything is really. Mm. And I also want to say about the you being a white man. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mr. Jack Hardman. If you facilitate our voices and don't speak over us, that's fine. You don't speak over us. You facilitate and, you know, using your privilege to facilitate, you know, queer and female POC voices or, you know, the voices of minorities. If you are facilitating it and not talking over and, you know, fighting for us, it's not something that's wrong, in my opinion, speaking as a queer woman. Fair. Thank you. Well, that's good. I'm glad I'm not in the wrong there then. You are not, you. you are not. Um, okay, so I, I think I might say that we will end it. We will end it on that note then. Okay. Cool. Uh, on that on that slightly wholesome note. We do this every every episode. What is your favorite Shakespeare play? My favorite Shakespeare play is Hamlet. Yes. If you didn't already know. No, we already said that, but I have to do it because I do it every episode. <laughs> um so i'd like to say everyone go and check out mpa um and and their fantastic events that they've got coming up i certainly will uh, and i think it would be a great opportunity for uh everyone out there and Mm -hmm. yeah have Um, have have a wonderful time everyone thank you for joining me this week for bard times this has been jack hardman stay safe and in the words of the bard himself It is not in the stars to hold our destiny, but in ourselves. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.